0: One of the simplest things I feel like that needs to be said um, is I feel like in this space and it's funny because it's a little bit counter to the digital diaspora, but this is something that's being produced by, you know, black people. Uh, I've I've seen a lot on like Twitter spaces and um, different projects is that like people will um, segregate different groups into like, this is a woman in web three panel this is a black artist in NFTs, you know, show or things like that. And I, um, I, I often encouraged people that are putting together projects or panels or IRL events or anything like that to just include these artists in the mix, because I feel like segmenting us off um, often puts across this messaging of othering, which is not what we want. We just want access to the same in opportunities.
1: Welcome to the NFT Now podcast.
2: Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And
1: I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture.
2: Welcome to the show. Happy NFT Now podcasting. How are you feeling? I'm always
1: excited when it's a podcasting time, you know?
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, who we got lined up today?
1: Really, really special guest. We have Diana Sinclair, 18-year-old visual artist and curator taking the NFT space by storm. Uh, you may know her from her landmark Whitney Houston uh, sale. Uh, She did four pieces of artwork in collaboration with the Whitney Houston estate uh, on the one of platform and the centerpiece of that collection, which was an unreleased Whitney recording, sold for just about a million dollars in auction. Um, And as a curator, she's also uh, the brains behind Digital Diaspora, uh, the exhibit that debuted last June on Juneteenth uh, and is coming up again this year uh, with the focus and mission of really uplifting black artists in the space Uh, Diana is wise beyond her years and doing a lot to really push things forward in the space.
2: No, it was a really fun conversation. I think her art is incredible. I think how she's navigated both the traditional art world and this kind of this NFT Web3 world has been phenomenal, really doing all sorts of amazing things to create great art, bring together community um, and help set a precedent for how artists can prosper in this new age. So really excited to dive in. Um, Before we do, if you haven't already, do want to encourage you to go check out our weekly newsletter, nftnow.com, once a week, every Wednesday, Uh, send through a digest of everything that's been happening in the NFT landscape so you can get involved. Uh, But let's get involved with this episode. Diana Sinclair.
1: Diana, so glad to have you on the NFT Now podcast. How's it going?
0: It's going great. I'm really tired after um, doing all these events and things for freeze week, but it's really amazing. So I'm having a good time.
1: (laughs) That's what's important. Love to see you getting into the mix. Well, really excited to have you on. Really excited to have you on. For those who don't know, let's just start with a little bit about your background and how you got into NFTs.
0: My background. Uh, I got into NFTs about a year ago, right after winning um, the biggest national high school arts competition in the United States. I won that in photography. I was actually having a really tough time because I was my Formal introduction into the traditional art world in a way. I just didn't feel feel at the time that I really gelled with that. So I was going through like a lot of inner turmoil about it. And then um, my partner at the time uh, started getting into 3D art. They were on Twitter and talking to a lot of different artists who, like at the time, you know, 3D artists were the ones dominating the NFT industry. Um, Would you call an industry? I guess the NFT space. and they introduced me to it. I started talking to a lot of people. I was able to kind of form a community around me, which was really great. And the first time that I had experienced something like that. Um, and from there, I just started minting my photography. I was like one of the first photographers in the space minting my work last year. And uh, from then, it, you know, it's it's been it's been great. My career, um, pretty much my, my like formal art career got started in the NFT space, which is kind of interesting going back and forth now between the traditional art world and the, you know, NFT world. But um, yeah, it was great.
2: And, it, and it's interesting too, as far as just the inroads and traction that NFTs have been making within the traditional art world. I mean, you have like Christie's and Sotheby's doing all these activations becoming very kind of great platforms for artists in the space. And I think they're seeing lots of traction as well. Like, from your perspective having experience in both worlds like what has been some of the the response from the traditional art world about nfts and and the good and the bad don't hold back
0: you know it really depends on who you're talking to i mean as like everyone has their own opinion i've met some i have some horror stories from people in the traditional art world like one time i was at uh an event i had just come off a panel and this sculptor came up and he was, and my, I brought my mother because she usually doesn't watch me speak. And I brought him and like, he was just screaming at her about how like, I need to have a traditional art education, I need to go to college, I need to do this. And it started getting like very hostile. But then, you know, so that I've had like those sorts of interactions. I've also had, you know, interactions of, of with people being super supportive, um, encouraging a lot of traditional art folks have uh, asked me Actually, like previous mentors have asked me to, you know, be their introduction into the NFT space. So, you know, it's very, I think the NFT world is is a bit polarizing. I mean, I feel like that, that much is very clear, but I think over time people will come around and if not, then they'll be left behind. So. That's the way I see it.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a great point, and you know, it's been really interesting seeing you know your own career, um, you know, kind of bridging the photography side, the art side, and then also even getting in, into like the music collaboration side. Um, obviously, the big Whitney Houston auction. I'm just curious to hear a little bit about like all of these different mediums, how they come together, and what where do you like really draw inspiration for your creative process?
0: I draw inspiration from so much. I draw inspiration from conversations, and then like putting my visuals, um, like pulling visuals from my head, from inspiration from that, from films, from music videos. Um, one of my like biggest inspirations, which people will hear me reference all the time is Solange's When I Get Home film, like album film. I love that. I've, I've watched it so many times. It's like this weird experimental, like just saga. And I love it. I, you know, reading sometimes articles, uh, social media, of course. I mean, that's just an easy way to consume a lot. I get a lot of inspiration from TikTok. Um, which is a very Gen Z thing to say. Um, But yeah, I mean, anything and everything. As an artist, I try to consume as much as possible, but I feel like I need to do more intentional consumption because I've just, you know, uh, as my career has changed a lot, I've been pulled in a lot of different directions and I'm realizing now, which is a good time because of like the bear market, you know, or the speculation of a bear market, that this is the time to take it a little bit slower and like go back to what the core of my practice is, which is, you know, making art and being intentional with my time. So yeah, I, I would say it from like anything and everything, which is kind of like a lame answer, but it's very true.
2: I also draw lots of life inspiration from TikToks.
0: Come on, the most creative people are there. I'll, I honestly believe that because there's uh, the music aspect. People have to think about how they're presenting their ideas in a cinematic way. And then I think that the format just encourages people to be experimental. You know, like you, there, there's really no set algorithms. So you can just try and throw like a whole bunch of different darts at the wall. So I've seen the wildest stuff on there. And I, I, I don't know, I I've seen so much cool stuff on there. Yeah,
2: for sure. And I'll just add on to that. I feel like it's, Relative to lots of other social media, it's one of it's really built and centered around like joy and entertainment. Like I think mm-hmm. on Instagram, there's so much status games and like the yes. the the highlight reel of your whole life. Like yep. um, Twitter, admittedly, is very like supportive, but also like you can go like there's a, a dark side of Twitter as well. I think um, now TikTok's very kind of positive, entertaining place. But to, to shift gears a bit um, <laughs> before we continue too deep down the TikTok rabbit hole, what um the, the Whitney Houston auction, like $1 yes. million, dollars, uh, like yes. unreleased demo. Uh, this is a magical moment. I think it was truly incredible to see. Can you just kind of walk us through how this came together and, and what your approach was in this project?
0: My, you know, that was my first major project that didn't just center me, which was very interesting. You know, I I have worked on a lot of different projects of like conceptualized my own ideas. And especially with the NFT space, encouraged me to like, put together projects. But this was the first time that, you know, I'd collaborated with an artist like this, where um, her family reached out to, you know, or her family reached out through one of to you know, put this together and I got to sit down and hear about Whitney. So that was like how it started. Um, they automatically wanted me as the artist to do this drop. Um, and that was before they'd even learned about me and my background, they'd just see my artwork. But then when we like started really sitting down and talking about Whitney, all these similarities came up. Like she is, or she was also from New Jersey. She, at the time of her recording that that track, she was 17 and I was 17 when I made the artwork to, for it. Um, that and then we also shared the same middle name, which is a little wild. Um, so we sat down, we talked, we I got to learn a lot about Whitney and just, you know, their their love for her. Um, and they really gave me minimal direction. They just uh, really expressed that they wanted me to keep Whitney relevant, which I felt like, I was like, Whitney's always going to be relevant. But um, they wanted me to, like, add a fresh twist to her work. So I, uh, you know, talked about what I wanted to do, which was uh, focusing on uh, Black women and the love um, familial and sisterly and you know, motherly love that I feel like a lot of us have for one another Um, and just focusing on Black beauty in general, which Whitney, you know, showed throughout her entire career. If you even look at her music videos, there's just um, a huge presence of like Black women being like, there's just like that love there. So I wanted to touch on that. Uh, We had some great conversations about the work that I was going to make. I didn't have a lot of time, which was pressure in a good way. I work well under pressure. Um, and then basically just went out. That was my first time having to put together a shoot like that, I was under, it was crazy. I, I created like a whole um, call sheet, we had models, I, I hired um, stylists, two makeup artists, like it was a whole production and we had several locations. Um, the shoot day was beautiful, like just full of black women that were like leading the makeup, leading the, the styling, the shooting, obviously. Um, had, we were playing Whitney's music the entire time. And then afterwards, uh, I, you know, took all the footage, we edited it, we put it together. Um, the final work is a looping video that goes to the track. Um, that's the one that's sold on auction, the one that, you know, I'll never be able to put out, but <laughs> it's there, it exists. Uh, and then yeah, the, the smaller artworks, I uh, made Whitney relevant, you know, I. I through in my own uh, design work on top of, like, some, I think some photos that were actually from Teen Vogue, or, like, some, like, old modeling vo- photos of Whitney, um, don't quote me on the Teen Vogue one, but if, if it was, that would be very interesting, because one of my biggest, like, articles was the Teen Vogue feature, um, and I, I did some animation and glitch on top of that, and uh, created the video artworks, so, and then after that, I was just kind of, like, promoting it talking about it um the actual auction day we set zero expectations so whenever I would ask anybody what they thought it was going to go for no one would tell me no one on any team would tell me they're like oh well we'll just see we'll just see so the entire day was super intense just kind of like sitting at the phone and the computer and at the time we were on clubhouse too um just watching that happen which you know um I had, I had like an interesting reaction. It was, um, it was a good day though.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. I, I remember that well. I remember, you know, that really, that was a, a big moment um, yes. in the NFT T-Space and, and definitely a big moment in your career. I'm sure a, a life-changing moment, you know. I'm sure uh, things, things accelerated pretty quickly after that. As a, you know, the space already moves fast enough, but when you have like a, a, a kind of one of those landmark like breakthrough type moments, I'm just curious to hear, um, what was that like for you? You know, the the aftermath of the of the Whitney auction.
0: You know, I'll get real real for a moment. That was a hard moment to process. I don't think that I handled it very well. I think I learned a lot from that actually. Because in the moment there was just a lot of attention. My Twitter was blowing up. I couldn't open my Twitter without getting like hundreds of notifications and, you know, messages. I was getting emails and I, at the time I was like having, I was also going through some inner turmoil because even though it felt, it was such like a big moment, I feel like, you know, um, the space can be a bit desensitizing in a way with it being so digital. I was experiencing the moment entirely alone, even though I was in the clubhouse of like hundreds of people. Uh, once the clubhouse shut off, I was just kind of like alone and I didn't, I didn't feel it in that moment. So I actually receded um, for quite some time, I would say like several weeks. It was only like in February when I started to step back into the space, when made my Twitter more active, I was tweeting some more, I was like posting and like starting to re-engage with my relationships online. Um, But I feel like that is an important point to bring up because even moments like that that are very flashy... um, and very beautiful. We were able to donate a lot of money to the Whitney Houston Foundation. Uh, they're not always as uh, impactful, I think, as some people would think, or like they they can be very hard on artists and, and I think sensitive people in general. And I've heard a lot of other successful artists say the same thing. So, um, you know, I think the mental health is an important thing is, that we're talking about, especially now. Um, And I do wish I had more help with like dealing with that moment, but I think now I know that like once it comes again, that I'll be better prepared and I'll know how to handle something like that, handle the attention or things like that, instead of like holding myself away, be able to deal with it more productively. So yeah,
2: that powerful journey. Um, interesting journey of growth and exciting to see all the continued success and how you've been able to adapt and continue to prosper. So in in that vein, love to dive deeper into like the, the digital diaspora. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of vision behind this project? You know, there's been some fun stuff to date, but I know it's, it's still kind of early and you have grander ambitions.
0: Yeah. Uh, the digital diaspora, that was, um, a pioneering show that I curated last year for Juneteenth. It was one of the first like physical, digital um NFT parties, auctions, um, exhibitions. We did it back in June. Um, so it was interesting, it was like we were kind of like crawling out of COVID, but we were able to have like um a block party moment at Super Chief Gallery NFT in New York, while also we collaborated with um Foundation and they put together this like beautiful um website. An auction page where we uh, show we had the work of like 16 or 18 um black artists to celebrate you know juneteenth and also put a spotlight on black artists in the space because um at the time especially black artists were being really overlooked and it was like quite clear um i don't i don't know if i would say that it's much better now i think that there's definitely been a lot of improvement, and I hope that the digital diaspora was a part of that. But um, yeah, we, we put together that show to spotlight artists, not just in the Web3 space, but also Web 2. So New York City, um, the Lincoln NYC screens, they donated one million impressions throughout June, um, I think two weeks in June, to uh, showcase all of the artwork uh, from these black artists. So we had their work all over the five boroughs, showing all over the place. It was beautiful. was also NFT artists. It was really cool um, to have like our work um, put out in such a positive way. Because also at the time, like, I don't know, I feel like people forget that we got so much positive press for the space at that time when the narrative really was, you know, about like energy and NFTs are killing the planet and NFTs are just like white crypto bros. And like, there was a lot of negative press going out. So, the digital diaspora was able to bring in, like, we were in The Observer, um, Fortune Magazine, Teen Vogue, The Guardian, and it was all about, like, how much uh, crypto and NFTs could actually not just, like, support artists, but, um, like, create a world in which, and that was, like, more equitable for um, Black people and artists, and I think just people in general. So, it was a great project, one that, I think did really well and I hope, we're, we're hoping to, we're planning to bring it back this June, which interestingly last year it didn't, but this year it's gonna be during NFT NYC, which is gonna be really interesting. <laughs> Juneteenth uh, during NFT NYC is, um, I think it's gonna be really fun. So right now we're, we're in the middle of planning it. We're getting the artists together. We have, um, we're, we're having like the same core, but like a different plan of approaching it, which I feel like is gonna be even bigger and better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it.
1: I love that. And, and so, so important um, to be doing that as a curator in the space, to be really providing a platform uh, for Black creators and for Black artists. Um, as you said, there's still a lot of work to be done to really uh, level the playing field and afford equitable opportunities across the board. Um, Diana, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts too, you know, um, what can the NFT community at large do to to better support diversity and inclusion in the space day to day, week to week, month to month.
0: One of the simplest things I feel like that needs to be said um, is I feel like in this space, and it's funny because it's a little bit counter to the digital diaspora, but this is something that's being produced by you know Black people. Uh, I've I've seen a lot on like Twitter Spaces and um, different projects is that like people will. Um, segregate different groups into like this is a woman in web three panel this is a black artist in nfts you know show or things like that and i um i i've often encouraged people that are putting together projects or panels or irl events or anything like that to just include these artists in the mix because i feel like segmenting us off um often Puts across this messaging of othering, which is not what we want. We just want access to the same opportunities. Uh, The digital diaspora, you know, is a little bit different because it's about like really pushing the spotlight and acknowledging that there is inequity, acknowledging that we are looking for equality, and it's um, you know a project that's not just for crypto, but it's also like for the Web2 world, and it's about um really trying to elevate these artists' careers because of that inequity. But um I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people kind of just resort to laziness when they create these these, you know, othering panels and projects and things like that instead of just working to include um like a, a diverse group in all the things that they're doing. Because there's so the crypto, the NFT space, it's global. You know, it's really not just like white American men that are in this space so i feel like um those that's like one of my you know easy action steps that i you know suggest to people and it's just about being conscious about your decisions and the way that you approach people and projects
2: yeah no really love that perspective totally agree when it comes to like supporting other projects and other people what are some of the favorite like other artists or or different projects or communities that that really inspire you
0: Oh, projects and artists. Well, one of my favorite artists, who I'll always sh- well, I have two favorite artists um, that will shout out uh, in the space. Niall Ashley. Uh, they're a non-binary Black painter from London. Yes, Matt is nodding because I talk about them all the time. <laughs> I was just on a panel a few days ago and Matt was there and I was just like, Nile Ashley. That's- I-, I love them. Um, I love it. They are, they're, they're true artists. I don't really know what to say. Like they, they work with code. Um, they like create AI programs, paint, street art, uh, performance art, 3D. They do um, like short films. Like there's really nothing that Niall doesn't do um, that I feel like doesn't elevate the medium that they're working in. And they do so much multimedia work that really um, embraces the technology, especially like with NFTs. Um, and it's just beautiful. So I, I love the work that they do. Um, Another artist who's a really good friend of mine and one that, you know, I constantly work to support is Tyler Gibbons. He's a queer black artist from New York City. Um, He creates these like awesome uh, characters that blend like gender and and 3D, but it's also film and cinema. I mean, obviously I have like I have uh, uh, style and things that I like. Um, but his work is just really cool. And I, I think that, um, something that interests me about it is you can just easily see how he can turn the style that he has or the characters that he creates into like a brand or like, um, like really build it out. Like kind of like how Hello Kitty is like one little character, but she has a whole world. Like I can see that for any of the things that, um, Tyler creates. So um, yeah, those are two artists that I definitely support. And then one um, project, which I only hold one of, but I think that they're like valid to to um, shout out is Crypto Coven. I went wild when I saw them on Twitter. I, I don't know if you remember that, Matt. I think I saw you liking some of the do. I do,
1: I do. <laughs> love, I love the art for Crypto Coven. They,
0: they're so cute, but it was also the first project that I ever saw with hair like mine. I'd never seen another project that had curly hair. And when I saw that that the um what do you call it? the 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 features what what do you call them the generative the uh, you know, traits the, the traits features. The, at the traits, yes, the the traits, yeah. the traits. Yeah. thank you wow, I'm really not on I my got you. It. see this is it's because <laughs> I'm at freeze right now I'm in my traditional art brain, but no um yeah, the traits of the hair were so different in the skin colors and the eyes, and I was just like really astounded to see that they put that much like thought into you know creating those features and then that really made me think about the fact that I hadn't seen another project really do that. It's like seeing a little bit, like a little bit with World of Women. um, But CryptoCover was the first time I saw like Bantu knots and braids and curly hair and cornrows and all these different things. It was really cool. Um, So I feel like that needs to be recognized. And the team and community was really sweet. When I um, was tweeting about like how badly I wanted one that looked like me, someone actually just sent me one. (laughs) It was so sweet. And at the time, they were valued at an at an ETH or more than an ETH. And this person was just like, oh, this one looks like you. I'm going to send it to you. What's your wallet? And it was it was great. Yeah. So I, I really like their project. And um, yeah,
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um... It's really, it's really cool to hear you speak both about your own work and also about other artists that you appreciate. And I know that being a curator is is a really important um, part of of one of the vet, one of the very important uh, uh, hats that you wear. You know, you wear you wear many hats, and I and I like that. And I think match. the the, NF- <laughs> the NFT space is don't we all the NFT space uh, <laughs> is is well suited for those who who like to wear multiple hats. Um, but it's really cool to hear how you can kind of um, you know, you have your own creative vision for your own art, art artistic uh, output. And then you can also really appreciate you've got the eye for for others. And not everybody has that. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on like what your approach is to curation as a curator and and the importance of curation in this kind of like nascent new like crypto art NFT space.
0: Curation, you know, actually on, on the topic of curation, I feel like one of the um, most important uh, like acts of curating is like the artists curating themselves. And I spoke about this on a panel um, with Joey, the photographer just a few weeks ago. And I was, it was such a small, it was just him and I on this panel. I didn't expect it to be like, so, so uh, it was very, it was an important panel. It was weird. It was small, but we we were really spitting some, some important knowledge. It was cool. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was how like photographers, a lot of, we've seen a lot of photographers, like since, um, we joined, like have entered this space and they have like no idea how to curate their, their selves, like their work. Um, and I feel like, like, especially with photography being, meaning you know, where, you know, you can just click, 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 click. And you're at the end of a shoot, you have like 500 photos seeing like photographers look like they meant like all 500 of those photos, like the one that they took by accident, um, And in a space like this, like where you are a business and you have to manage your own market um, as an artist, as, um, uh, you know, as as a business person, um, like curating the work that you put out and being super discerning about what you put on the market, I feel like is super important. Um, And I think that, you know, that that's going to be really important to the NFT market and like as Hopefully, like d- during this bear market, I hope that a lot of artists think about that because that's going to be really important for curation in the space. And then, you know, obviously, like that's important for artists for themselves. But then also, like curators, then have to turn around and look at, you know, the sort of work that artists are putting out and and be discerning themselves of um, the artists whose markets are viable for um, selling their work. I mean, if that's what the curating is for, um, selling selling someone's work, um, which is, you know, pretty typical of the traditional art world. I've seen a lot of NFT shows, which have just been for, um, like, display, but a lot of them are also, like, for auction or for, like, trying to get artist work sold, um, so I feel like that that's really important um, for myself. I mean, the digital diaspora was itself, like, um, when, when I did that project, it was about pulling uh, artists, because it was it was a bit different. I mean, it was an art show, but it was also about spotlighting artists who had been in the space. So we had we'd picked artists who had been in um, the space for um, several months at that point, and who'd like consistently been worry, uh, been concerned about their market, been concerned about their out- output, and had really shown that they were super integrated into the community. But for whatever reason, they were just like not being acknowledged the same as their peers. Um, so we pulled artists that had a little bit more of like platforms and um, whose artwork had developed uh, a decent market at that point. And then we pulled artists who had a bit of a smaller market didn't have like the same community around them to try and like create this um, dichotomy so that they could be uplifted as well with those other artists. Um, this time around, the curation is um, based around uh, pulling like the heavy hitters, the heavy black hitters in the space. And we have some really big names that have already confirmed participation, which is really exciting. So it's really about, you know, creating a... Any
2: exclusives for the listeners? Oh, any, listeners?
0: any alpha. The, the alpha, yeah, come on. Any alpha. I <laughs> mean, alpha. Uh, one alpha, I'm curating it this time. Instead of solo curating it, I'm going to curate it with Drifter. So that's a big one.
2: Ooh, very cool. Yes, that's Drifter huge. Shoots.
0: Yes. it's And, you know, he's he's very dedicated to making it into a big event, too. So I'm sure, you know, maybe maybe the digital diaspora this year will be held on a rooftop. Who knows?
1: <laughs> Hopefully not too high of a rooftop, because I've got, yeah. I, <laughs> because I've got <laughs> I, I can't rooftop. stomach those. I can't stomach yeah. those heights. <laughs>
0: Everyone that walks into the event has to wear a pair of Vans. You know, he's going to make it a drifter shoot snow. I was like, you know, like, you have to be very careful. But I was like the digital diaspora, that's my baby. Like, you know, we have to be very careful about this. Um, but yeah, no, that's going to be cool. And of course, like we're both going to put in a piece. So
2: that's exciting. Super, super yeah. excited. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious too. And I mean, as an artist, as somebody that's been creating art for a while before even kind of breaking into the NFT space, like how do you feel NFTs have changed the creative canvas? Um, like, uh, yeah. It how have I that.
0: feel that they've changed the creative canvas? Well, I can speak to my, like, personally, Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up without any direction, really, with my art, and I was just able to be super experimental, and I was creating, like, whatever it is that I wanted to, you know, Um, when I got older, and I started getting, like, a little bit more experience with the traditional art world, like, all these walls started to be put up around me of like what I could and couldn't do. And like what the right path of an artist was. I feel like when I entered the NFT space, I saw a lot of those walls get broken down and actually like my experimentation just like skyrocketed. Um, At first, like I minted the photography portfolio that I put into young arts um, last year, which was the arts competition that I won. But after, like, after getting into that, I started really starting, I was able to explore the, the um, experimental like video work that I always wanted to create and I saw that that was selling and I was making um, gifs and I was um, working with like multimedia layering and performance art I was creating these artworks that um, I really didn't feel supported to make before Um, but you know opening up my market and my community really showed me that like people wanted to see that for me so uh, for me, if I feel like it, like expanded my creative canvas in a way, and um, I've heard the same from a lot of artists. That and I, I mean that was that was actually one of my favorite experiences, especially last year. I would just scroll through the foundation homepage. And I would see all this wild stuff, all these wild animations, and like these. Um, I, I consider like my work sometimes like um, like the Spotify visualizers. Like I would see stuff that little like visualizers, and it was just so cool. Um, And that really showed me, I was like, damn, like people really do want to see experimental weird stuff. People really do want to see video work or performance art or whatever. Um, And it was cool to be exposed to that. So I think that um, that has been the experience of a lot of people in the space.
1: I love that. I love that. Yeah, I know you're you're uh, you're very active, working on many different things all at once. Um, what are what are some of the upcoming projects that you have in the works that you can speak to and uh, let us know more about now?
0: Oof, man, what don't I have going on? Um, well, obviously bringing the digital diaspora back—that uh, one's going to be a huge chunk of my time coming up. But I'm glad because it's a passion project and people all throughout the year have been asking when it was gonna come back. So I'm glad that we can finally say that we're working on it and that it's going to be a big event. And I think that holding it during such an important week is going to, um, it's going to be really special. I mean, last year we were able to bring people out to New York for the digital diaspora, like create an event that encouraged people to fly out and things. But this time everyone's gonna be here. So I'm excited for, um, to see what sort of crowd that it brings this time. And then um, personally, I mean, I'm working on, I'm working on a series of coming for an auction house, which will be my auction house debut, which I've been, you know, I, I, I over the, over the past few months um, before, uh, before 2022, I was like really wanted to do it, but I felt like being patient finally brought like the opportunity that I was always looking for, which is good. It shows you that like patience, Patience is is good. I was waiting. I was like, all right, what, what am I gonna what am I gonna get my auction house moment? And then uh, we we put one together that's it's gonna be amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be like later in the year. Um, and then in the meantime, I'm working on a photography collection actually. So um, I am taking Polaroids of people in the community to uh, document what the community looks like right now, to document identity, um, talk about the demographics of the space, really be able to visualize that. And then also like to speak to more of like the gamification and like the NFT space as more of a, I don't know, being like less about the art and more about the market in some cases, it's a bit of a, a social experiment to see how um, people's identities and their role in the community will play um, on their image in the blockchain. So we're going to mint the photos and I think it's going to be really cool. I mean, like I was saying, if I, I mint Matt, like I'm going to put that up for like 50 ETH or more, maybe 100 ETH. That's right
1: let them know exactly
0: (laughs) you know like that's a valuable photo right there that's a value chip right here absolutely so i i don't know i think like every time i think about that i'm like "Mm, that's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out which is like a little devious but at the same time like i'm really looking forward to it so um yeah i i was able to design and like build um well i didn't build it we had it built like this portable photo studio that we set up at south by southwest and it was just uh, at Unfold, Gall- the Unfold Gallery like block party event. And I was just in the middle of an NFT event. People were lined up for hours and people sat down. We, I took their Polaroid. We had a conversation. I was sitting in that chair for seven, seven hours with people lined up the entire time. But it was really dope. Um, and so we're working on that and we're going to keep shooting it and keep adding to the series coming up. Um, and I think that'll be a cool way to document how the space will transform and who's present right now who stays through the bear market um <laughs> things like that um so yeah that's, that's kind of like my my photo collection that has been long time coming
2: i love it i love it well amazing to see all the progress you've had to date and uh still just getting started so can't wait to see what's uh, what's coming up um and really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all your perspectives and insights with us today
0: Thank you both. I had such a good time. I, you know, I'm like the biggest NFT now fan. So as you guys can always see, I'm like the cheerleader, hanging out with Matt, gassing up Matt. Hey. <laughs> you too, now Sam. Yeah. Now, now that we know each other, I'm going to be like your biggest fan too.
2: There we go. I'm here for it. Let's there get it. That's, Vice, versa. That, that's Vice my, versa. That's my
1: secret. That's my secret. I've had Dennis yeah. Sinclair support. You
0: know? <laughs> you know, magical fairy dust. That's really what it is.
2: That's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> Sprinkle it on all Amazing. the NFT now projects.
2: Yeah, we're we'll we're here it. for it. We'll we're take here. it. <laughs> yeah, just, buy, buy the pounds, please. That's right. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh. Uh, well, well, thank you so much, Diana. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk soon.
0: Thank you. All right. See you guys.
2: Man, really enjoyed that that conversation. We'll stood out to you, Matt?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I loved uh, just like those moments of realness um, when she kind of took us back uh, to that life changing moment of that Whitney Houston auction. It would have been really easy just to say how awesome it was, but she she really like she was real about it and, and talked about sort of that the alienation, that feeling of kind of being detached from it all. It is something that a lot of uh, artists in the space go through. Um, and I think she spoke to that in, in real stark terms and, and kudos to her for that. Um, I loved getting her perspective on curation, the importance of curation, and also, of course, the importance of uplifting and supporting diversity and inclusion in the space. Everything she's doing with the digital diaspora, I think, is so needed. Um, so really, really can't say enough about uh, about everything that she's doing to push things forward.
2: Yeah, 1,000%. Definitely be sure to check out her work. Stay tuned for Digital Diaspora. Really excited for that event this year at NFTMIC. That NFTMIC this year too, man. It's uh, just a couple weeks out. Going to shape up to be a super, super special event. Um, really excited to have all the, the community come together at IRL. You know, it's going to be a lot, lots of caffeine carrying me through all those different events. You and me both. But, uh, yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, for your continued support. We are truly grateful. Um, Best of luck with all your projects. And we will be back next week. Until then, we out.